We analyze the Baltimore Ravens 53-man roster, their practice squad, the moves they've made, and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens with a very special guest. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravenswire. We're here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked on Ravens your first listen to the day here. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes over on YouTube. And we are back here, a Thursday edition episode. It's been a whirlwind of a 24, 48 hours here. And here with us to break it all down is Ken McCusick of Film Study. Ken, it's, it really has been quite the busy couple of days for the Baltimore Ravens. We have a ton to talk about here. Exceptional. Lots of lots of unexpected cuts, uh, you know, some unexpected keeps uh, that, that go with that. I guess so you, you usually get an offsetting one for one there and then a big uh, veteran loss that we're hearing about today. Yeah. And so we'll start with the initial cuts, Ken, because I think there were more surprises than I think I expected personally. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think the first one, well, there are two major ones. The first one being Tyler Beatty being released. Now, Eric DaCosta in the Eric DaCosta era, I'll say. Not as really opposed to moving off of rookies as maybe Ozzie Newsom was back in the day. We saw it last year with the Sean Wade trade and Ben Mason moving on too. The second one being Josh Oliver. I did not expect him to make the roster whatsoever. The Ravens decided to keep five tight ends. Charlie Kohler going on IR. Where were your biggest surprises on offense with that initial cutdown? Yeah, those are the big two. Uh, 11 offensive linemen was also a mild surprise that that problem was changed today. Uh, but the cut of Tyler Beatty is very un-Ravens-like. It's a six-round pick. Uh, he had shown ability to pass block, which was the thing I really wanted out of him in this preseason. Uh, two really good pass blocks in the last game, one coming across out of sidecar on the left side the previous game. Uh, had a big part, I believe it was in the near touchdown pass to Demarcus Robinson on the left side. He had made a really nice pass block. So I, I, I'm sad to see him go. I'm glad to see he made the practice squad again. Uh, the Ravens, uh, you know, for whatever reason, just don't feel like there's other Tyler Beatty's out there. I do have a sneaking suspicion of what that is, that it may have been a um, mesh point facility that has determined some of those things, because otherwise I can't come up with a reason why they want to have so many old running backs on this team the last two years. And people were kind of saying, Ken, oh, it's, with Kenyon Drake coming in, it's either going to be Tyler Beatty or Justice Hill who gets cut. Mike Davis' name was also thrown around out there, too. Did you have mm -hmm. a suspicion of which one you expected to be cut versus when Beatty was actually cut? I expect Davis to be cut, uh, that, that he would be back for week one if if they felt like they needed him. But if you lose him, oh, well, because I think there's a lot of other running backs out there who are, who are pretty much as good. And the only reason I can come up with, because there's nothing visible about his yards per touch or anything like that or his running style. The only thing I can I can think about is is that his facility with the mesh point in practice is higher. And one of the things you see about the Ravens this, this preseason is they didn't run any successful read option plays. They, they, they had a botch snap. They had a fumble on the pull by anthony brown and they had another one that was the wrong read so they didn't they really were not running the read option right now part of that is they don't have lamar jackson lamar jackson knows how to do it the other part of it is that mccrary in his particular case i think probably wasn't set up properly and then that's maybe a bugaboo that is significant to the ravens yeah and i think when you're talking about this offense and i think what it wants to go back to we're starting to really see i think with the personnel you mentioned 11 offensive linemen at the initial cut down day the five tight ends they want to go back to somewhat of a run 
run style offense that I think last year, I mean, we saw they had to go and change their entire offense, you know, ninth in pass attempts when in 2019 and 2020, they were last in pass attempts, both of those seasons. But Ken, with the tight end situation, I do want to touch on Josh Oliver a little bit because I, I understand why the Ravens kept him, but I also don't understand why it's, it's kind of like a back and forth thing where he's been with the team. He understands the playbook, but I think you could find, another Josh Oliver out there while also maybe keeping somebody else on the roster at that initial cutdown. You know, I, I think you're probably right. He's first of all, he's a fourth year player has no option value to the Ravens. So that's not it. Okay. So you, you try to eliminate, you know, obvious causes kind of like you're going to a doctor's office here and try to figure this diagnosis out. It's, it's not anything about Josh Oliver's option value. It's, it's probably not too much about what Josh Oliver can do for the Ravens this year, because he's fourth on the depth chart. Uh, you know, when, when Kolar comes back anyway, uh, he's he may be fourth right now in terms of 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 who they have. Uh, you wouldn't even necessarily use him as a blocking tight end behind Boyle uh, because because you might use Ricard in that situation. But they may have felt like they needed to keep Ricard in, and then if they they need a blocking tight end, they don't want to go to the street. But you know, we've seen in past years they've been able to get Eric Tomlinson successfully, and he's very he's been a good a very good run blocker, not so great a receiver, but but a very good run blocker. So. If I'm looking for one reason why Oliver was kept, it might have been to keep him away for the Bengals, which I saw on Twitter. It's somebody else's idea. The Bengals picked up two waived tight ends in the in the waiver claim process. And maybe Oliver would have been one of them. And they kind of foresaw that and said, you know what? We'll just do this to, to kind of hose the Bengals. And hopefully it doesn't end up uh, hosing themselves. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at, again, the five tight ends, the 11 offensive linemen, for me, Tristan Colon was someone who was really on the fence. He could have been that like last man in or first man out situation. It was 11 then. It gets down to 10 on Wednesday with the release of Tyree Phillips, which was, again, was not on my bingo card for, for mm-hmm. Wednesday. It was no. a, it, a bit of a shock for me that gets them down to 10. But I mean, what was that shock level to you, Ken, with the release of Phillips? Hi. Um, I, I did not expect it to happen. Uh, you know, he and Cologne are both third-year players, so you're looking at similar option value. Uh, Cologne had played pretty well during the preseason. Phillips had mixed results during the preseason, but I thought he did play well in the last game. Had some problems with run blocks, two in particular, but otherwise he was very good as a pass blocker in the game. The Ravens, you know, part of what they did to set up Anthony Brown for the big day was a lot of ample time and space opportunities, and Phillips was very physical as a pass blocker. He was initiating contact in a way I hadn't really seen from him before. So I, I think, you know, having Fa'alele and Phillips and probably Juwan James as well, uh, and, and Ben Cleveland at left guard, the Ravens, it seems like the last two weeks since that first preseason game, they'd really worked on trying to be physical before the pocket, before you give ground in the pocket. So try and try and establish a, a perimeter that's further away from the quarterback. And I, I've liked that. And, you know, the, 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 Offensive linemen who can do that on a regular basis are, are very valuable. So uh, it it surprises me that Phillips is gone. It really does. I mean, this is how he played against the commanders in this final game. Might have been the best we've seen him at tackle, honestly. Uh, surprising. It, it's, all, it's all over the place. And I feel like with Tyree Phillips, John Harbaugh did say that he wants to see if Phillips can get back on the practice squad. They, that's something mm-hmm. they want. Now, does he get there? That's a different question. But I still think that with the Phillips release, it was something where this was a guy who has started 13 of his 22 games in Ravens uniform. He has the versatility now. I, I do think he is a guard and not a tackle. I think that is where he is better lined up. But he can give you the 
option. Like if, if everything else is exhausted, you can put him there and he can do that for you. And we know the Ravens love their versatility. So it, it was a shock to me. I also think Kenneth, the initial cutdowns a shock on the defensive side of the ball was seeing them keep five inside linebackers, not because of the players. Like I think Kristen Welch, you know, that final preseason game as the commanders, you have two and a half sacks, someone who played special teams very well over the past couple of seasons. It makes sense. Josh Ross, you weren't going to cut him after the preseason that he had. But with the Ravens and the safeties they have, they might not have to use two inside linebackers on the field every single play because of what they do. <laughs> did you feel like they were going to keep five inside linebackers or did you feel like it was going to be maybe four or even even three? I, I basically had the same thought as you did. And I, I would just express it as, you know, the, the, the safety group is so deep here. It's it's four deep. We thought it was going to be five deep. Unfortunately, Tony Jefferson is gone today. But uh, it's it's four deep with guys who can really help you on a play by play basis, and that includes playing dime packages and even quarter packages with four safeties when you need to. It'd been nice to have five safeties on the team to basically have the facility to continue to play quarter even if something goes wrong. But they're they're set to do that, and they've had such problems with pass coverage at inside linebacker, having Jefferson and Hamilton or Jefferson and and um, uh, Clark out there at dime and quarter uh, would look terrific in terms of what you'd have in underneath zone uh, against other teams. I think you could, you, could, you could basically pull your inside linebackers towards the end of games at the end of a half and have a, a real shutdown kind of a defense, or at least a, a defense that's going to uh, make opposing quarterbacks pay for their mistakes. Uh, in the passing game, they get eyes on the quarterback, play a lot of zone. Uh, when balls get tipped, accidents happen. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be a general theme of the Ravens defense this year. And I'm very surprised that under those circumstances, they would keep five inside linebackers. And they really felt like the special teams play of, of Welch is really the guy was worth it at the end of the roster. I did think that Ross outplayed Welch this preseason. Yeah, I, I had it as a battle between Ross and Welch for that final spot. I gave it to Ross, but the Ravens do decide to keep both. And we're talking about the almost excess of inside linebackers, Ken. Well, there is a very big need, I think, at outside linebacker. You have two two healthy guys at the initial cutdowns in Justin Houston and Lafayette. Oh, David Ajabo making the roster because of his whole contract situation, not being able to go on the NFI. But it, it still feels like there is such a big need. The Ravens bring in a linebacker yesterday. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But Ken, where is your concern level with this outside linebacker group right now? Extremely high. It couldn't be higher. It basically almost couldn't be higher for any position group in recent years, other than some of the left tackle stuff that's been happening the last few years. But the but the the outside linebacker, I mean, you do have two very good players. Bowser, when you get him back, gives you a three-headed monster that's about as good as the top NFL teams. Now, I don't mean if they've got TJ Watt or Miles Garrett because they're not matching the top player there. But having a rotating three guys, there's very few teams who can put on three that good and give you something in coverage as well. Right now, the problem is that Sam linebacker for the Ravens. They don't have anybody who is um, obvious to take that role. I don't think they want to put away there, even though he has all the athleticism to do it, because I think it changes – uh, and, and maybe minimizes what he can do for you as a pass rusher. So I, I'm bothered by that. I think Stephen Means will be a practice squad elevation, if not back on the roster by week one. Uh, and he's one of the guys they're probably going to depend on to be a run-setting edge defender at outside linebacker. So they may have to resort to some other things, which, which may include uh, putting Brent Irvin or Calais Campbell on the outside uh, of a front. Uh, you know, you could, you could be in a, a three-defensive line nickel with only one outside linebacker, uh, where you have, you know four man front is there, but but you're using Calais Campbell essentially to play uh, one of those edge spots. 
And I want to I throw one more situation out for you, Ken. It's something that John Harbaugh discussed many, many months ago, something I know we've talked about before, but the Malik Harrison at Sam situation, do you still feel like that could be viable or do you think it might just be by the wayside at this point? I still don't like it. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you, here's my basic problem is this, Malik Harrison at Sam. So the same linebacker, you want to pick up something in terms of coverage responsibilities from that player. And that's already one of Harrison's big weaknesses. His strength is as a two-down inside linebacker who figures out how to get to the ball. I don't think that means you know he's going to be good at playing a tackle one-on-one or in the Sam spot, even playing a tight end one-on-one and beating that block to set the edge. I don't think you, you necessarily get that from him. So I know he's played two snaps there. By the way, there's some stuff out on Twitter that he played 100 snaps at outside linebacker already. That's based on PFF alignment data or maybe SIS alignment data or other, but but not, it's, it's like alignment at the snap. It's based on his position at the snap and would generally be like, if he's if he's jumped up into the A, A gap as an inside linebacker, you wouldn't call him a defensive lineman. But that's what this thing is telling us. So he did play two, two snaps at outside linebacker this preseason. Uh, I think he played two last year during the regular season. Is it impossible that he would end up there to finish a game? No. Is it something I want to see? I don't think it's something the Ravens should want to be doing. And, I, and honestly, I don't want them to Kamala Correa eyes, uh, you know, the play of, of uh, Blake Harrison by trying to get him to learn two positions. I mean, Tyree Phillips may just have gone through this. Brandon Stevens, another guy on the roster, they they can't seem to make up their mind where where he should just play and stick. So I'd rather have them play uh, Harrison at inside linebacker. I think he's a legitimate op- option to either play Mike or or Will as the first up. Harrison had a, had a great preseason. You know, I think he showed a lot, showed a lot of improvement, was flying to the football, just looked more confident, almost like we saw with Patrick Queen last year in the preseason. I think we saw that this year with Malik Harrison. But just because that Ravens roster was set on Tuesday doesn't mean it didn't change on Wednesday. We're going to dive into the moves the Ravens made and who those guys could potentially be next here on Locked on Ravens. But first, I want to tell you about Elias' game plan. It's almost the start of the NFL season, and if you're into sports betting or fantasy, you need a competitive edge to win. That's why I highly recommend the Elias' game plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. The Elias' game plan app is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, Elias Sports Bureau. The official statisticians of U.S. Pro Sports League including the NFL. The app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and Elias insights from the Elias Sports Bureau's research team. The app is really good for player news and league validated player stats and team records expert game analysis for betting building your fantasy team and impressing your friends and the app is super easy to use elias is the most respected research team in the industry they have quality information and that's key so i'm glad they created the app for accurate data and important context the nfl season is right around the corner so don't wait download the elias game plan out today and right now i have a special offer for when you subscribe get a 14-day free trial off a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code Locked On NFL. Finalize game plan, sports betting in the App Store or Play Store today, and use the promo code Locked On NFL. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allshaker still here with Ken McCusick of Film Study and Ken. The Ravens have been doing a lot of shuffling over the past 24 hours. And one of those big moves being Kenyon Drake, the addition, the running back formerly of the Raiders. Now, Tyler Beatty, seemingly it's like a Drake for Beatty swap, it feels like at this point. But what does Drake give the Ravens and how did you like the signing overall? You know, just generally speaking, I'm not crazy about signing older running backs. Uh, and I, I it, you know, given what Tyler Beatty had done in terms of some pass blocking and other things and uh, versatility to be a runner and receiver, um, there are probably some things they like better about Drake as a runner. I come back to the mesh point and, you know, Drake has clearly had some experience with that previously in his NFL career. 
And I think that he might, you know, have a, a, a better starting point for that. Uh, if this is a generalized problem, the Ravens need to need to figure out somehow how to draft backs who have this experience already. Um, if that's not it, if it's something else, then I really know what it might be because with Kenyon Drake, you're getting a rental. He's he's a, he's a one year signing. He'll be gone at the end of this year, or or the Ravens want to sign him at market value. With Beatty, you have four years of team control, and uh, you know I I am loath to ever give that up. And my second choice, if you if you decide Tyler Beatty is not the guy, is to go out and sift carefully through all the rookie and year one players who are still in their first year and find that back who fits your stylistic need. So I, I would have preferred to see that. Uh, that said, Kenyon Drake probably can carry the the um, the rock the amount of times the Ravens want him to, and hopefully he he succeeds stylistically within the scheme they have. Yeah, and it's interesting, Ken. It feels like one of the things that Drake can excel at is as a pass catcher out of the backfield, and something that I felt like the Ravens are going to try to shift more into a little bit is using their running backs out of the backfield. We've seen guys have success. I think we were going to see it a bit last year and then everything with the running back position, obviously injuries just decimated that group. Do you feel like Baltimore is going to continue to kind of move into that almost what is an extension of the run game with the short passing game? Um, it doesn't exactly fit with what the Ravens do um, in terms of uh, uh, having Lamar be his own check down. So they run a lot of vertical and downfield routes. It doesn't have to be all verticals, but if you get people, you, your routes are all run 10 plus yards from the line of scrimmage or to the sideline as out route for, for one of your routes, uh, that, that clears the middle for Lamar. And on those extended pockets, then he has an option to, to run it or, or throw it and uh, find space that way. Um, you know, the Beatty signing, what was nice about it was it got a guy who had a lot of screen pass experience and you had Tyler Lindebaum matching up. Uh, that that would that would be able to get in front of the play and give you that one block the Ravens have never really gotten from their interior offensive linemen in terms of getting a guy upfield because they play mostly with elephants. So you you like to have a combination of elephants with one cheetah in terms of of Linderbaum and I I really like what he'll add to that offensive line. Uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, of Beatty, uh, I thought he was probably better at that. Had done more in college. Kenyon Drake. Uh, maybe he'll be good. He did have 7.3 yards per target uh, on, I think, about 40 targets last year. That's a that's a good number for a running back. Uh, we'll see if if that's uh, something where he can uh, still excel. Yeah, and in terms of waiver claims, Ken, you have Baltimore claiming Delshawn Phillips from the New York Jets. You could almost, if you want to, say it was a Phillips for Phillips swap with Tyree for Delshawn. <laughs> but and another linebacker added, he, he can play both spots if you really want him to. A guy who I think very much special teams experience as opposed to defensive experience. How, how'd you like the claim? It's almost like getting a sixth inside linebacker. He's played a mix of, of uh, inside and, and outside in his NFL career. Uh, and some of that may have been in a four, three. I didn't really look carefully about exactly where he's been when he's done this. He's played for a couple different teams uh, with uh, uh, you know, he, he's mostly a special teams pickup as I, as I would see it. I, it would not shock me if he doesn't, he's not even with a team on opening day. I think that they will they will make their moves to try and get the players that they like to make up a good 53. But we all know this roster isn't final as it's set right now. It better not be at outside linebacker. So if they find another guy they like, particularly a Sam uh, with some experience, they uh, they might replace him. And, and one interesting guy I keep coming back to is Devon Kennard, someone who was cut by the Cardinals. And it felt like almost wasn't utilized the correct way in Arizona. He had in Detroit, I think he played more of that 
Tyus Bowser is role, if you want to call it that. How do you think he would fit if the Ravens go that way? Yeah, he's older. Um, he's 31 now. He hasn't played the last two years in any much substantial coverage at all. Uh, so he's been playing more more of a, of a, of a DE role. Uh, I, I could see it um, as being the thing. I think money might be an issue. It might not be at his age. He may be looking for just a vet minimum contract. Um, the Ravens are going to go cheap with, with whoever they go with, I think. Um, uh, there may be an incentive-laden contract they could build for a, for a JPP or somebody else. But I know everybody's excited to get somebody else who can sack the quarterback. I mean, right now, the Ravens' problem is they don't have anybody who can cover it all at outside linebacker, or they don't have anybody who's, who's obviously would fit that role without giving up something in no way. Getting out of the rush linebacker, I don't think addresses the need. So a JPP or something doesn't really make sense, but I think Devon Kennard could, uh, you know, he's in the pool of, of players who would potentially make sense. Yeah. And it, the, the loss of Bowser can just feels, it was such a gut punch for it to happen. Obviously, first of all, being in week 18, but you could argue that Tyus Bowser was the most consistent defender on the Ravens last year in terms of what he was able to bring. Yeah. You, you could probably make that argument if you really wanted to. So I think that for the Ravens to be able to just replace some of that pass coverage ability and Bowser in to his credit improved tremendously as a pass rusher in general last year with increased opportunities, which was great. But someone can, who is not going to be with this team is Tony Jefferson. The Ravens lose him to the New York Giants alongside Chuck Wiley, who both end up signing with the New York Giants practice squad. So more more Ravens over there for Don Martindale in that Giants defense. But how, how big of a loss is that, Ken, Tony Jefferson? Um, it's a loss. It's a loss in the clubhouse. I think, you know, it's the, it's the kind of thing where when you cut somebody and you think we'll get him back on the practice squad because he won't be claimed. You, you, you can be right on both of those. You can be right on the not be claimed part, but you doesn't prevent the player from going and looking for the uh, greener pasture. We saw it with Ben Mason in 2021. You know, he was a draft pick. They clearly thought they would get him back on the practice squad and, and have him, uh, you know, available. And then Belichick came in and took him away. And, you know, one of the things about having your defensive coordinator go away, like having a, you know, a major guy in scouting and Joe Douglas go away to be the GM of the Jets is they're constantly looking over your cuts because they're players they know. And, you know, there's a, just a good chance that they're going to going to take your guys. Jefferson is, I, I, I don't think he would have gotten on the field a lot defensively this year. It would have really taken a commitment to quarter play to get him on the field. He could have gotten on with injuries, but, uh, you know, most likely he would have been a, a, a special team star for the Ravens, a guy who would lead that unit and be Anthony Levine-esque and, and probably play a similar amount defensively to an Anthony Levine in his late career, which was not very much. So does the special teams, I think, value that Jefferson would have played? Does that get replaced now with a guy like Geno Stone? Geno Stone had, has already been the personal protector during camp. So they've been using on punt coverage. And so you've got two major special teams units you really have to concern yourself with. And that's the punt coverage and the and the um, uh, kick coverage units. That's what really broke down for the Ravens during the preseason a lot. They had been playing Geno Stone. Uh, with with the wings of Hamilton and Jefferson, I'll just say that those three are incredibly strong. At Gunner, they tried out a bunch of different people. They didn't even use Justice Hill, who is a good Gunner uh, at that position. So I think he'll help there. But the fact that Jefferson is on the wing and not as a personal protector, mild surprise to me, and and one that um, uh, you know it speaks to Geno Stone's ability to take up the defensive captainship because he's really the quarterback on that unit when you're the personal protector, if anything's going wrong, the people aren't in place, you know, 
Anthony Levine has, has bailed out the, the Ravens a couple of times by being in the right place in terms of uh, understanding what's uh, what's going on on special teams. Yeah, and the Ravens, I feel like, definitely have an affinity for Geno Stone. And I think they've mm-hmm. been kind of preparing him for this role a little bit. So, I, I look, I think he's ready. I think Levine has coached him up a little bit. And I think for what he can bring to the table, again, you're, you're miss, it's almost like the Jordan Stout-Sam Cook thing. You're going to miss some of the consistency that you got so used to with a guy like Cook or Levine. But I still think that even with a couple of mistakes here or there, it will still be okay if Geno Stone is that guy for them. But we'll head into our final break here on the show. Coming up, we'll talk about the Ravens practice squad and more. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We still have a ton to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. But first, I have a very important message. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive under the influence? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit in some circumstances. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down in certain circumstances. When you are under the influence, you not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive under the influence. If you've been using any sort of thing to get you under the influence in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive under the influence, get a DUI. We're back here with our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Allshecker is still here with Ken McCusick. And Ken, the Ravens practice squad right now at the time of this recording, 15 of 16 guys. We talked about a bit how the Ravens are hoping to get Tyree Phillips back on the practice squad. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But I was very, first of all, very happy that the Ravens were able to get so many of their guys back. I, for one, was shocked that no Raven was claimed on waivers. Was that a shock to you as well? Uh, they had a couple guys I thought might have been, and and it was a high claim year. There were like 33, 34 players league-wide were taken. I, this is this is really funny to me, but the Chicago Bears selected six people and added them to their active roster. And another team took five. It might have been Denver. might have been another team, but I, I, I have it wrong. I, I, I may have it wrong. Jacksonville. Jacksonville took five. It's like a second draft for these teams. <laughs> it's like they're getting uh, uh, you know, all these players off waivers, and and uh, that that to me is humorous. Um, the Ravens had two guys I thought who were going to be uh, potentially cut and and be a risk to be taken. And one was Anthony Brown, uh, who I'm very glad he wasn't, but uh, that won't last. So the Ravens will have to kind of make their decision on on how they want to go forward at quarterback. And the other was uh, Isaiah Mack, that I thought. Uh, he will play in the NFL somewhere this year. He probably will play for the Ravens at this point because he might be a practice squad call up early, early in the season, or uh, you know, uh, you know, be called up at some point, even to the active roster if there's an injury. Um, the Ravens are down to five defensive linemen right now. The practice squad is the way you can get the extra guy on if someone has a small injury with two elevations, but then you have to make a choice on these players and and add them to your 53. So uh, I I. You know, one thing about the Ravens practice squad that really struck me, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, is that every single player on the practice squad came from the Ravens 80. Yeah, and I think we've seen like a couple times throughout the last couple of years, we've seen one or two outside guys trickle into the practice squad. But I think it speaks to their depth this year that they were able to go out and get so many players. And the fact that, first of all, I mean, you mentioned, I thought that Isaiah Mack was definitely going to get claimed. I I didn't see Mm -hmm. any situation he was there. And and look, I'm more than happy he's back. But I also think you have guys in that room like Rayshad Nichols, who I think performed well in the preseason. Aaron Crawford, who was waived injured and reverted to IR, but he was another guy too. I mean, that defensive line group was deep at safety. We talked about Tony Jefferson and our Darius Washington, another player who I thought had the potential to maybe get claimed with, I think how decorated he was coming out of college. I know obviously the undrafted status doesn't really help that, but yeah, I think the Ravens, there is a situation for them where they could have probably lost two to 
four guys if you want to go minimum to maximum, depending on where, you, where you're kind of slotting in guys. So it's really important that I think they were able to get a, a very strong practice squad. And I agree with you on the on the Isaiah Mack front in terms of Travis Jones, just when his timetable is. The Ravens do bring back Brent Urban here. So that was one of those handshake deals we saw. Mm-hmm. But I think if Travis Jones has to miss – one, two, three, however many weeks it is, they can call up an Isaiah Mack, and he showed a lot during the preseason, which I was very impressed with. So Baltimore's practice squad, I think the big names, Anthony Brown, you have Tyler Beatty still on there. The, the three receivers really big gets to, I think, Benjamin Victor, Riley Webb, and Makai Polk. I'm very pleased they were able to bring back those guys. You have Khalil McKenzie coming back, David Sharp. And then obviously, like the outside linebacker, Stephen Means, who I, I, I think so too, Ken, you got kind of the definite roster call up on the horizon for him if nothing happens at outside linebacker which I really hope something does happen I feel like also getting back a guy like Ardarius Washington is huge for them overall but David Sharp's a player that I, I kind of want to dive into a tiny bit because the injury to Ronnie Stanley the situation is something that I know has been very uncertain for a very long time and that has continued even after his activation from the PUP list where, where are you at with Ronnie Stanley right now and how could a guy like David Sharp factor into that maybe later in the year if something happens I mean, you hope not at all, but, uh, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully this, this discussion, we don't have to have again this year because we, we did have to talk about who might play tackle for the, for the Ravens. And we're down to thinking about how can replacement people do it like McCary for starters, who had a little bit of a preseason experience at tackle. So I'm not saying that's, that's out of position, but, you know, even Ben Cleveland might've been a consideration last year in terms of being a big physical power run blocker who can down block within the Ravens scheme and, and do some things. Uh, you, you just, you're, you're, we don't want to have another year like that. <laughs> and and David Sharp would be having another year like that if we really are discussing whether or not he has to get activated at some point this year, let alone play. Um, you know, it's bad enough that, that we're talking about having Juwan James uh, start this first game of the year. That's that's a that's a substantial downgrade. And uh, I'm not even sure that that, um, you know, Moses wouldn't be uh, a candidate to play there. No word yet on whether um, Daniel Fa'alele uh, will go on IR. I don't think he has returned to practice yet. Um, but if he if he has, then uh, uh, that's probably not going to happen. If he if he hasn't, he's a developmental player anyway. The key thing is making sure he gets to practice and and, and get his reps in. But if you if you need another player this early in the season, Fa'alele would be another candidate to go to IR. Yeah, and I think you're obviously looking at Charlie Kohler and David Ajabo as the two mm-hmm. big ones who were definitely going to head over there. But speaking of guys who were on the PUP list, just coming off of the PUP list, we heard Marcus Peters speak to the media for the first time in a while yesterday. Obviously, you have J.K. Dobbins getting some work in as well. Where are you at with those guys and their recoveries and just when you would want to see them back and when you hope they're back? I mean, I hope they're back for week one. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, uh, particularly in the case of, of Dobbins. Uh, so we'll see. Um, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful in, in, in both cases. I, I, the Ravens will have their contingencies. And uh, if it's more than two or three or four weeks, then we're, uh, we're in this is not as good a situation anymore. Obviously, Peters shouldn't have come off pop uh, if it's going to take if it's going to be week five before he's back or otherwise the Ravens have actually lost a roster spot from it. Same thing with Stanley. Yeah, and even I know people have talked about, well, will J.K. Dobbins go on injured reserve for the first however many weeks he has to get ready to come back. But I think what the Ravens are looking at here is these guys aren't going to come back and they're going to play 95% of snaps week one and they're going to get all this run. They they have the depth now to, I think, I mean, you go back to 
to the left tackle conversation last year, having to move Alejandro Villanueva over to the right side, then move him back over to the left side and just have that whole situation happen. It, it, was, it wasn't very pretty, and I think that's maybe putting it a little lightly. So mm-hmm. I think what you have now is you've been working with Juwan James at left tackle for a while if you're the team. You have other options there, which I think is really, really important. But can I, I want to just get your confidence level on the roster overall. I mean, we've seen a lot of shuffling, as you've mentioned. It is not set at this point. At least we, we hope in a couple positions they make a move or two here. But mm-hmm. do you feel like this roster is one of the better ones you've seen in the last couple of seasons? Do you feel like it might be a little under par? Where are you at? Uh, I'm, I'm a natural worrier about this sort of thing. So I, I probably tell you it's a little bit under where the Ravens roster has been the last few years. Well, okay, in 19 or 20, let me put it that way. Uh, I think that th- that they had a little more going into the season in 19 and 20 for sure. Uh, they do have good interior offensive line depth, which I'm happy about. They have a good safety group. Uh, they have a corner group that I'm extremely concerned about. Um, it's, it's just it's injury, lack of real depth. Uh, despite all the additions on the back end, I think they, they have some problems. Peppy Williams, really a key player there. To, to determine whether or not he's the slot corner the Ravens really need. I, I if, if he works out great, if Peter's going to play great, and if it's Peter, Humphreys, and Pepe for the for all 16 games, I'm the happiest clam there is. Uh, but if, if you know, outside linebackers, obviously, serious concern, serious concern. They're very deep on the defensive line. And I at inside linebacker, I think they have good two-down players, um, and they have a bunch of players that I'm not so sure about on third down. So uh, they have the safety options to take care of that. Yeah, and I think another really interesting part of the Ravens roster is at wide receiver. Now, we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about it throughout the course of the show, but the Demarcus Robinson signing is one that I think, again, you're not asking him to come in and be this 100-catch, 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown guy. He's almost like one of those Willie Sneed role, Seth Roberts role type players who can come in and just provide you something. And I know it kind of threw a wrench in the whole, oh, well, this undrafted guy's going to make the roster, but I think they needed a veteran of some sort. But Ken, do you feel like they could add more at that position? I, I'm I'm so excited about what we saw from Robinson in that last preseason game. I can't even say. I mean, I, I, okay, the, the best receiver at the top of the route for the Ravens on the roster before Marcus Robinson got here, and probably still, um, is Bateman. Uh, Bateman came out of college, was a guy who can run almost any route, can lose a defensive back. Um, what I saw out of Robinson was not only ability to lose a admittedly bad defensive back, but a guy who um, can exploit by being able to read that leverage well uh, at the top of the route. And he did it on an out and go and a sluggo. So two different routes that he sold to that defensive back and then went deep in each case. Uh, that's just remarkable. Been a long time since Ravens have had anybody like that. And uh, I think what he can add in terms of peeling the, the, the top layer of the defense uh, off so that uh, both tight ends can work in the middle of the field and just you know, wreak havoc uh, is very exciting to, to what he'll add to the Ravens offense. So I do expect a lot from him in terms of snaps, and I expect a fair amount of targets given what he's uh, shown in this brief outing. And I, I kind of going off of that, do you feel like maybe we're going to see him leap a guy like a Tylen Wallace or, or a James Prochet, or do you still feel he's like that fourth, fifth guy in the offense? Right now, I would say he's the number two receiver. <laughs> it's Marcus <laughs> Robinson, but from, from what, so just from what you've seen, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, uh, Prochet is a, is primarily a slot guy. And one of the reasons he overlaps a lot with what you, what you get from likely or even Andrews as being a guy you, you, you know, move out and flex out from the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, if, 
ideally, I think we're going to see uh, Bateman at the X and Demarcus Robinson be a Z receiver. And the slot receiver is going to be a combination of things from uh, – and uh, you get some crochet on the outside too. You get some models on the outside too. But you get less snaps from those guys, I think, because of the injury and because of just what we saw from Robinson in this in the last last game. Yeah, a 27-year-old coming in, instantly being the oldest wide receiver in that group, so a very young group overall. And look, in that preseason game, Ken, I think he almost did what he was supposed to do because we've seen him do it for so many years in Kansas City against number ones, you know, Mm -hmm. going out there and playing with Anthony Brown against number twos, threes, fours. I mean, you almost expect something like that, and he definitely did put on a show. So from Demarcus Robinson and Kenyon Drake roster, practice squad, the Ravens have been very busy over these last few weeks. Can I appreciate you hopping on here and breaking it all down with me? Please tell people where they can find you and, and what you're working on. Sure. Uh, you can see I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. The, the website, filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, got weekly articles now that are starting up, offense and defense. There will, in fact, not be an article week one. So I'll just lay that out there. We're going to the Jets game in New York, and I don't have time uh, that week to get one published. But we will have the normal podcast. And, uh, and we do a, a series of podcasts each week. Uh, in fact, like Locked on Ravens here, we have content every single day and uh, love to have you come and, and visit. And uh, we're, we're looking at doing a live stream of the pods for offense and defense this year and looking for people if they're interested in that. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. And be sure to check Ken out again. Ken's links to all those works will be in the description below on YouTube. So be sure to check them out. Be sure to follow them on Twitter. You heard great analysis here for about 35 minutes. So thank you again, Ken. I really do appreciate it. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back tomorrow, I'll be rounding out the week, talking about more moves the Ravens have made and more. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you back here tomorrow.